I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. This is Audra. This is Sadie. And we are going to be finishing our discussion on Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. So we will be discussing part two of the story, starting with, I think it's chapter 24. Yes. Yep. So hopefully you all have read or at least watched enough of the movies or are familiar <laughs> enough with the story that you can uh, kind of follow along with the discussion. Um so before we get started, Sadie, I saw you with your drink earlier and it looked interesting and lovely. Why don't you start us off and tell us what your it's, libation is? It's so good. It's an espresso martini with a little bit of honey That's and what I maple butter. Yep. Ooh. And maple butter, which Ooh. is so good. And oh God, what else? Oh, and we did a little bit of vanilla as well. It's really, it's, it's delicious. It wasn't the that best espresso pull I've ever done in my life, but too. it's good. It, it does, yeah. especially with like the maple butter. Cause I, so like 15 minutes before we started recording, I was like, oh fuck, I fucked up. I didn't get the stuff I needed to make like mold wine and like the warm cozy yeah, drink you're that do we mold discussed wine, yeah. doing last time. And I was really stressed out about it. And I was like, oh, you know, well, I don't really have anything to like try and make it in a hurry. But an espresso martini with just a little bit of like maple and vanilla and stuff, that feels still pretty festive to me and cozy. So that's what I went with. Sounds delicious. What did you do? um, I was in a rush. (laughs) And so I opened up a (laughs) bottle of, it's a Sauvignon Blanc from Crazy Woman Winery in Paso Robles, California. So I picked it up when I was there for the horse show and I loved this winery. These, the guy who owns it so cool. He like opened up for us so that we could hang out and taste. And oh, wow. it's called crazy woman winery and it's named after his ex mother-in-law, but it's actually like a compliment. Like it's about, oh. so he had all these pictures in the tasting room of like Dolly Parton and Diana Ross and, um, mm. I can't think now, but just all of these like kind of famous women. He had like Harriet Tubman, like, cause it's just about women who are called crazy, but they're not really crazy women. They're just really strong, badass, powerful women. Yeah. Um, and that's like what the winery was named after, which I thought was cool. That um, was really cool. And I liked all of his wines, but I picked up a couple reds and a couple whites and, uh, this is his Sauvignon Blanc and it's really nice. Nice. Oh, that sounds so delicious. So that's what I'm drinking. So nothing very as fancy as yours, but that's okay. We can't all be fancy all the time. Oh my gosh. Well, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it fancy. Like I said, it wasn't the best pull of espresso I've ever done in my life. So <laughs> Brian and I have gotten really into coffee lately. Well, I feel yeah. like mostly Brian. He watches this YouTuber on like all the time who is like a coffee expert connoisseur and so Brian knows a lot more about coffee than I do, and we need to upgrade our espresso machine desperately. They're expensive. You don't realize how expensive those things are until you start shopping around for one. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty crazy. I know. I got one for Kendrick for Christmas one year, and they are. And then, like, if you have to service them, too, it's kind of a pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll we will eventually, we will eventually upgrade, but right now this is getting us by. 
Well, well done. I'm impressed. Thank you. So, um, just to remind you guys, so we will be taking the last two weeks of December off because we'll be doing Christmas and New Year's, Sadie's traveling. I've got two little kids things. It's just crazy. So we're just <laughs> yeah. going to take a little bit of a break um, and we'll start fresh um, in January, but we'll make sure to update everybody. We'll, I think maybe we'll still have our book for January picked out and we'll do, we'll announce yeah. that at our next episode. That way everyone's got time to get it and get it read before we start in January. Um, and our next episode, we're going to just kind of be doing a review of what we've done this year. Um, talking mm-hmm. about what we liked, what we didn't like, kind of going through everything and talking about the movie Power of the Dog, which we will have watched, if you remember from our, what, two, three episodes ago? Two episodes two, ago. Two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our plan. Um, and if you guys have any suggestions uh, for another book that you want to have us do, please send them in. We'd be happy to take any suggestions from you guys as well. So I'm excited to see what we do next year. This has been awesome. Yeah, I agree. We are really excited for the upcoming year, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot in the next episode, but we're just very grateful for everybody's support. This has been, you know, this was like a really kind of spur of the moment project that Audra and I decided to do, and it was actually about a year ago now that like we were prepping mm-hmm. for it like for Christmas last year for example Brian got me like my mic set up and everything like that and so yeah. it's just it's just so fun to think that it's kind of come full circle already this time of year and I'm really excited yes. for next week's episode where we get to reflect a little bit more on on the year and how much fun we had with everybody yeah for sure well said um, so if there's not anything else, we'll go ahead and get going. Is there anything else we need to announce? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Okay. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, Sadie, as yes. more of the little woman expert <laughs> than I, uh, would you mind giving us a little rundown if you can on what's kind of, I love, first of all, before you do that, I just love how she starts out part two, like we kind of talked a little bit about this last time, kind of how this was published is almost like, it's like a serial, right? It's almost like a soap opera, so to speak. Like, yes. And so she's, I just, I want to read her opening paragraph of, uh, part two, chapter 24. It's called gossip. And she says (laughs) in order that we may start afresh and go to Meg's wedding with free minds, it will be well to begin with a little gossip about the marches. And here, let me premise that if any of the elders think there is too much lovering in the story, as I fear they may, I'm not afraid the young folks will make that objection. I can only say with Mrs. Mara, what can you expect when I have four gay girls in the house and a dashing young neighbor over the way? <laughs> and I just love it because I love those little like, you know, just the speaking to the reader, the kind of self-awareness. Yeah. Um it's like just really inviting you to get invested. Well, and it's, and it's already, it's kind of tongue in cheek, acknowledging the fact that you already are, Mm -hmm. you know, this is like a response to already the success of volume one. And she knows that people have Mm -hmm. thoughts and opinions and hopes for her characters. And And they want to know, they want to know all the intricacies of what's going on in everybody's life. Like, of course there's Mm -hmm. big themes in this novel, but it's also just so popular and well received because of, kind of more of the the nitty-gritty the daily lives you know like yeah. yeah the the gossip so to speak so I love that she just kind of addresses it right off the bat 
I do too. I think she, I think so, part two in general is just like a really clever response to kind of the way part one plays out. But as just a kind of a premise of how part two yeah, plays spill out. spill the tea. Yeah, spill the tea. The tea is that Meg gets married. So she marries Mr. Brooke and everybody in kind of preparation for it, um, talks to Joe and kind of like pressures her telling her she'll be next she'll be next and and you know Joe just isn't super into it she just doesn't believe it and then um this is kind of a fun novel because you get to part of the novel because you get to see the girls kind of exist outside of each other more so in this part we get a lot more of Amy growing up so you get her when she's still kind of younger but more like teenagery and her pursuit of her own passion so like really pursuing art and even though she's not like particularly ecstatically talented or genius in any way she's like very passionate about it and really loves it um you get to see her kind of develop this personal interest you get to see joe go off find success as an author like she starts making a lot of money off of her novels she um Mm -hmm. she kind of goes through the circumstance of having to compromise her own like kind of artistic ideologies for success in a way and then she you know she gets to go to the city she gets to go to New York and um, basically be a governess and work on her writing there as well and then um, Meg you get to see kind of married life I I like that um, the story for Meg doesn't end when she gets married which a lot of stories do yeah you get to see Mm -hmm. kind of the struggles and um, also victories of her getting married. And then, of course, we deal with the tragic death of Beth and kind of her, um, the way that she kind of deals with knowing she's going to die anyway, like internally and the way that that kind of like affects her and affects other people around her. Um, we see Lori propose basically to Joe, confess his love, and it's heartbreaking. The chapter is called Heartache. It's so good. Um, and then they kind of go their separate ways, and Joe um, meets a friend, the doctor. What's his name? Oh my gosh, what's his last name? Oh, um, the German. I know. Why did you ask? Um, let's see if I can find it. This is going to drive me crazy. Oh, uh, Bayer. Uh, no. Bear. It's like Friedrich Bear, Bear. or something. Yeah. That's what it is. Bear. Um, Not Bayer. Bear. So she kind of gets this kinship with him. He's older, but he kind of is a friend, offers her mentorship as well with her writing and stuff. Um, their relationship grows. Amy goes to Europe and really becomes her own person there grows up into like a young woman and an adult is starting to treat be treated more like an adult and then Lori meets up with her there after being rejected by joe and they fall in love and they get married and then it all kind of comes back to them being at home years have passed kids have been born meg's had two kids amy's had a kid at this point and joe is still kind of like finding her voice as a writer and then it pretty much ends with her um, getting with the professor, with Mr. Bear. And then um, yeah. Aunt March dies and leaves her the home, the estate. 
And she, along with her husband, turn it into a school for young boys. So that people, well, young men of any kind of walk of life would be able to go to school, which is pretty cool. And then it all, it just like kind of wraps up in a neat little bow and everybody kind of gets their happy ending and is pretty much rewarded for all the behavior we've seen throughout the book. Mm -hmm. And it's just a very like neat, tidy end to the story, which is... um, frustrating to a lot of readers I think because it it ties up in a way that a lot of people didn't want it to (laughs) I don't know how do you feel about that I think that's interesting because I I mean I couldn't see it happening any other way I think it's it fits with the whole story you know what I mean like I think that's what this what this isn't I mean I think there's certainly some really great themes in the novel that are worthy of exploration but I don't think it's like a I don't think it's something that's supposed to really like upend you. Does that make sense? Like, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not offended, but I think, I think in some ways, no, it's, I don't it's mean offended, as... like upend, like upend oh. you, like, to, like yeah. sometimes with endings that like when things don't wrap up neatly, it like, it sticks with you, right? Like it makes you like, it kind of just like knocks you off kilter yes. a little bit. And then that's something yeah. to like jar stuff loose and think about. And I think that this novel just makes things very like, it all wraps up neatly. That's what it's supposed to. Sometimes story, like a good story is just a good story, you know? And like I agree. who she was writing it to and who she was writing it for. Like, I think it makes perfect sense. So I I think it would be weird if it didn't wrap up that way. Well, it would seem incongruous the, to me. Here's the thing. I think that she, in part two, like she, Louisa May Alcott does what she needs to do as an author to like put in all of the little seedlings to make the ending make perfect sense, like you said. But I think it's kind of, I've always gotten the impression that she was kind of like making fun of her readers in a little bit, a little bit because of of the way that people like shipped, um, shipped being the like very millennial term, but like really fought for Joe and Laurie. And then for them just to not end up together. I mean, it's a cool it's a cool example of a woman um, like saying no to a perfectly fine marriage proposal, which is like pretty rare at the time. Um, yeah. But it's always frustrated to me, like when I watch, especially when I watch the movies, because I think that the less so for the newest Little Women movie, but I feel like every other movie I've watched of Little Women, they invest so much time and emphasis in Joe and Laurie's relationship that when he ends up with Amy, you're just like, what the fuck? But um, I think she does a better job of like building that up in the book than she does, than it's ever done in the movies. I don't know. What do you think about Joe and Amy? I think so too, because I... yeah, I mean, I I guess I could say I'm a Joe and Laurie shipper because I just like the characters, you yeah. know, um, and you kind of want your hero characters to like end up together. But I think that more so than in the movies and the books, she does a really good job of kind of showing Amy's growth. Like, yeah. you know, and I think it, it like especially Amy's interactions with with Teddy when she's in Europe, you know, and kind of how she. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like she challenges him in like a different way you know joe and Lori have a lot of similarities and like they encourage each other and kind of motivate each other and push each other in certain ways but i feel like amy kind of challenges him and he challenges her in a way that i think makes them just as good of a pair um yeah so i think if you so and i think she just shows more of that in the book 
Um, I think they showed a little bit of that in the last movie, the one with um, Timothy Chalamet as Laurie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I agree. I I think but that yeah. I think that Amy like she gets such a bad rap like most of the time. Like pre 2019 mm-hmm. Little Women, I feel like everybody just hated on Amy. And I will say rereading this now as an older adult than the last time I read it, like the last time I'd read it, I love Amy like yeah. way more as a character. And I think that she's so good at like establishing boundaries and sticking to them than Joe was, you yeah. know, cause Joe would tell and, and Lori she what to hard do. Too. Like she, she does. Yeah. Yeah. Like she works for what she wants. Like, yeah. You know, and I think, I think it shows more of like the work she puts in with like Aunt March and like her mm-hmm. art and establishing herself in society and like like she just is very good at like here's my goal and like working towards it she just you know and I think her some of her behavior when she's younger has matured into more of like a self-assuredness um I agree which I think is great yeah well I like that um I like that she really likes society she likes being a part of society but it's and she likes these like finer things in life a lot like Meg does. But I think that it's always portrayed as like this is something she enjoys, but it's secondary to um, the way that Marmy brought her up to be. And I think you see that a lot yeah. in um, the first chapter about her in part two, where it talks about how she wants to throw this big um, kind of outing luncheon for all these other girls in town who are of higher like they're wealthier and she wants to basically impress them a lot and right so they they spend a lot of money and she wants to like really try to make it good and she says she has these moments of like feeling embarrassed or like that it's not going to work out the way that she kind of wants it and then she also has this this encounter with one of Lori's older friends from college where she's like getting a lobster, mm-hmm. which apparently is like low class food in 1865. I know. Right. I remember like <laughs> I had forgotten about that until I reread this and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. And now yeah, she's it's like, like embarrassed to have a lobster, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she, she's able to get through everything with, I think so much poise, you know? And then at the end it's, it's like, she's not overly disappointed in the fact that nobody really shows up except for like one or two friends yeah. maybe um but she kind of like realizes i think that like she can like those things but it's not really as important as the things that marmy taught her and also like just her family and like being loving and nice and kind to like the people around you um which i i really like and i do i think like it's interesting because her age difference with laurie is weird to me at first but when you look at their actual relationship like I think that she has more of a mentoring role to Lori than he does to her mm-hmm. he almost yeah. seems well, like less because, mature yeah I agree and I, I think like a big theme in the book you know is like this idea of being you know loyal to your family and familial duty and like what your roles are towards your family both yeah. for the sisters and and for Lori and how that can you know, come up against like, 
your own personal growth and personal dreams and like Mm. how you choose to like handle that. And so I think Amy is a good representation of like, you know, kind of melding those two things together, Mm -hmm. like working for her own goal and personal growth and, you know, pardon me, like expanding her horizons while also being loyal and true to her family. And I think Lori kind of struggles with like what his role is. Mm-hmm. And so I think he kind of looks to Amy a little bit of, of how do you do that without, you know, I mean, he just kind of becomes this, like for a time, just how he's living his life isn't necessarily good for anyone. And so I yeah. think, yeah, she does kind of have, she is kind of like a mentor role, like you said, I think. So I think that they they balance each other out when it comes to like the age difference based on where they're at in their lives and like how they conduct themselves. Well, and the certain types of like stressors that they have to think about, you know, because Laurie mm-hmm. has an obligation to his family, but he doesn't personally have to do anything to like keep them out of poverty, which is a different kind of stress that Amy feels as far as how, like who she chooses to spend her life with. That is yes. financial mm-hmm. certain, like comfort is something that's important for her to think about. And it's also, you know, this is something I didn't notice any other time that I've read it, but I think that it's interesting how, um, you know, some people, if, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I kind of looked down at Amy for a really long time for like, having such high regard for that kind of thing. But I always thought it was really interesting because Joe kind of has the same thing, the same stresses, the same things that she's thinking about of the questions of like, how much does she compromise herself and her growth as a, as a writer to be able to make ends meet to send back to her family. Right. So she writes these like sensationalist stories that she's not necessarily interested in for a long time because they sell. And she kind of feels that she um, maybe compromised like herself a little bit as an artist to do that. And I think that Amy kind of is dealing with that same battle of like compromising herself in the sense of like wanting to fall in love and be in love with the person versus being able to support the family. They're both dealing with like the same stress, but in completely different ways. And I think that's interesting because the way that it's talked about with Joe is different than the way it's talked about with Amy. Yeah, I agree. I think I noticed something similar and and I noticed too how like the strong emphasis on like work, Mm. which makes sense given like the time period that this was written, you know, like in transcendentalism and, you know, the Puritan work ethic. And it's interesting, like, how Lori's kind of looked at when he's not he's not really having to work towards anything and so even though Amy's you know living in Europe and she's studying art and all this like she's working hard to like keep her family afloat and have a future so is Joe you know uh Meg is working hard for her family like she's dealing with that struggle of like motherhood and being a wife and like always having to work. And then you have Beth who's, you know, even though she's dying basically Mm -hmm. is still working like sewing and doing all of that. It's just in it. I noticed it. And then I contrasted it with like the first part of the novel when they're not working, when they're more like, you know, being 
be caught up in like finer things like with the parties and the clothes or they're kind of just lounging around they're like they get snippy with each other and they're not as happy mm-hmm. and so it's interesting this idea of like how important it is that they work and they're always working towards something even if it's not the same mm-hmm. and then you contrast that with like Lori and even other people that like Amy encounters or Joe encounters that don't have to live that life. And I just saw that much more highlighted this time, just like how they're always like, it's just such a necessity that they're always working and working towards something. Right. And like not being ashamed or putting on pretenses as well for their positions. Mm -hmm. Like I think that comes through with Amy sometimes, but also really with Meg, like after she gets married, she, we see her struggle with um, like being more frivolous sometimes with money and spending money on things that, um, you know, like obviously she wants and no fault to her for wanting them, but like things that in their financial position should be more of a conversation, you know, before she goes out and does it. And a lot of it is pressure from the fact that a lot of other people are wealthier. Mm -hmm. Um, so like you see her kind of stressed with that and see the the ramifications of it with her husband not being able to get a coat and the guilt that she has and then how she kind of has to make up for it and like take care of the problem, you know, take ownership of it. And I think that is an interesting part because the problem is the fact that she kind of acted on means that she didn't have because she just wanted to have the means to be able to do it. And I think the book is talking or like supporting more the idea of just go through it with dignity, like work hard, do what you need to do. Like don't put on airs. Don't act like you don't like you. Yeah. That idea of being true to yourself. Sorry. What was that? Like the idea of being true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I also like, I really like, um, Meg's story in part two a lot because I think like you see how much she's still growing up, even though she's in this adult relationship and, um, you know, like it starts with her being unsure of how to keep a house, you know, like being stressed out about having her own house and having to keep it and not relying on anybody else really for help in that regard. And then also the struggle between like maintaining a relationship with your husband while being the parent, you know, and how sometimes there's conflict there and like frustration when, you know, Meg feels like she's kind of the only one doing it and she gets stressed out about that. You kind of see her like really grow up, even though she's in this grown up situation and she's still in a lot of ways still like a kid when she's gets married I mean she's still very young and I yeah like I mean that she gets married and this. then grows up basically yeah yeah she gets married and then grows up yeah I I really loved it and I liked how um this book like I think throughout part two especially you see a, a lot of different relationships and you get to see and kind of compare them to one another um to maybe like pick out which one which situation is the healthiest maybe and I think that's really cool (laughs) it's like a choose your own adventure kind of yeah yeah 
exactly. Like, do you want the relationship between Joe and Mr. Bear where he's a lot older and he's definitely like a mentor to her? It's actually really interesting. That relationship, I think, makes the least it makes the least sense to me. I feel like Joe is way more domesticated with him than I ever imagined her being like reading Mm -hmm. the rest of the novel. It's kind of interesting. Um, but then also, well, I I think think it's a little bit of that, like, you know, what you think, what you think someone wants or what they think you want, like that changes. And I think, I think you could read it as like either choice is okay. Right. Like maybe Meg's not as happy in her Mm -hmm. domestic situation as she thought she'd be. Um, and maybe Joe's happier in more of a domestic situation than she ever thought she would be. So kind of just showing that like, that's true. It's not necessarily the situation that's going to make you, it's not one size fits all. Yeah, that's a good point. And also like maybe your opinions and sensibilities change, you know, as you grow up, as you get Mm -hmm. out of it. Cause if anything, you know, I think Amy kind of comes down to earth. She becomes more down to earth as well. And that's not necessarily something you kind of see coming from her. And then, yeah, with Joe, maybe just aging up, experiencing the world, experiencing the world as like a working woman, as an artist as well, kind of makes her, I don't know, but figure it out in her own time, I guess, like, it wasn't necessarily that she just didn't want to be with anybody. Maybe it was that she didn't want to be in such a kind of such an equal relationship almost like it's weird because it's not that I don't think her and, and the Mr. Bear are like unequal or that she's like subservient in any way in the relationship. But her relationship with Joe is with Laurie. I mean, almost like, there's no progress really. It just kind of feels maybe immature. Maybe that was the problem is like, it just felt too immature to her or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and you can have, I don't know. I think it just shows that you can, as you mature and change or grow or your situation grows and changes, like it, some, some things just last for a season, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make it any less valuable or true or, or it it just isn't doesn't need to continue to grow like people grow as cliche as it is it's cliche for a reason like people grow apart you know like yeah and sometimes those things need to happen for both of their personal growth and like I think it's it's easy to uh, to look at like Joe and Lori and find that as maybe more of the romantic relationship but like I think Joe's relationship with herself and her family Mm. and her sisters and is, is really what it's, I think that's more of the central focus of the story. And so it would have, there just has to be some sort of like change and growth. Like that's what makes it, you know, more interesting to me at least, even though I of course Mm -hmm. think, well, you know, Joe and Lori are great, but like it makes sense that they would grow in different directions and just, and so did Amy and Lori. They just kind of grew and ran into each other on their growth. I don't know. That's kind of how I yeah. look at it. No, I think that's true. And I think it's also, um, I think the direction that Alcott goes, you know, it makes sense, but I think it, it also is 
what makes this novel, even though it feels very like domestic and sentimental and simple in a lot of ways, I think it that mm-hmm. those things are what make it um, the most like like so forward for the time that it was written like the fact that there's a scene where joe like denies a perfectly good proposal (laughs) from someone that she loves yeah that you know like that she has a good relationship with like that very rarely happens that's like the yes and the end of the book of like every other book i feel like written at this time for this kind of audience right which is i think what makes one of the things that makes this cool, even though I will always want them to be together. I just feel like their relationship is more passionate and maybe that's like means it's more volatile and maybe that means it's bad, but in some ways between them, but I think the way I, well, I think it just points out that maybe sometimes good. What was that? You cut out. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. I, I know. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, no, I was just pointing out that like, yeah, the relationship is maybe seeming more passionate, more interesting, more kind of fun to listen, you know, like their banter and like their Mm -hmm. interactions. But I think that makes the point that that doesn't necessarily mean it's like a better relationship. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we confuse maybe like, um, like conflict or issues with like passion. I don't know. I think, I think the, the novel, even though I don't think it's super focused on like those kind of relationships, I think it's more about family relationships, but Mm -hmm. like, I think it does give you some good things to think about, about what do we consider a good relationship and there's different kinds and, you know, not like I said, not everything's just one size fits all. And I think that's kind of nice that it is showing that in this book geared towards young women, of kind Mm -hmm. of giving you these different outlooks on what love can be. And, you know, I I don't know, I'm probably reading too much into it, but as much as I like their relationship, I think it makes sense that they don't end up together. Yeah. Especially the way she writes it. Like we said. Um, yeah, I really like that. I feel like even if we aren't fans with like how the, how, these relationships end up I really like that I still feel like all the characters end up on really equal footing with their other partners Mm -hmm. like you see Meg and Mr. Brooke like he starts taking a more um he starts being more involved with the children you know they start doing parenting together basically which was not the case you know, you see them kind of have conflict with that. And then by the end of their kind of story, it's more equal in that way between the two of them as a partnership, basically. And then I also really like how I feel like Amy and Joe and Laurie, um, like we talked about before, they're very, I think, equal in the sense that I think Amy really calls a lot of the shots and she has, I think, strict boundaries and I like which I like about her. Like I like that she it's, it's her stubbornness kind of making her um, have that like self love and self value and integrity to like make things the way she wants them in a way that I think is, I agree is still healthy within the relationship. You know, it's like something that he needs as well. And, um, and he listens to her and he like really appreciates her and her opinion, which is also really cool. 
Um, not a shock with Lori because he's been doing that with all of them for a long time. But I think it's really cool. And then also I like how, you know, when Joe and Mr. Bear open up the school, like they're both the headmaster. Like they're they're at completely equal footing within the school. So even though it kind of seems like maybe it's more of a classically domestic relationship, I think that um, he there's still he doesn't just like take charge and like he's the schoolmaster. Do you know what I mean? Like it's still her school just as much as it is his. Yeah, I agree. Which I really Yeah, it's a nice like it's a nice equal partnership. Yeah. Um so I really liked that something you said last episode. Um you brought up Beth's death in a really interesting way. And you brought it up like um, how she she kind of like represents all of these old ideals of like what a woman is, you know, of like in the mm-hmm. 1840s, 50s kind of idea of what a woman should be like. And then the fact that she dies yeah. being like a representation of that kind of woman not surviving society at that point. And I thought that was brilliant. And I think we should talk more about that because we didn't really talk about it last time, but it went with Beth dying in this, in this part. I think that's an interesting thing to talk about is like, yeah. why does, I don't know. What the, does her death the, mean? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, cause like the, I feel like the death of Beth is like a, I mean, obviously that's like this huge tragedy in the novel and it's very affecting and it's really sad and like I just think she's kind of an interesting character because I don't find her that interesting like yeah you know like she's but she really is kind of this like anchor for the family and I think she does kind of represent this like genteel like I don't know almost ideal of like what the little women should be right and like Mm -hmm. And they all kind of are very aware of like still how they're presenting themselves and if they're behaving. I don't know. I, I just feel like she's almost this tether for them a little bit. And when she dies, it's like they all kind of are also while they're still it's like they keep the best of her with them, but it almost frees them a little bit to like mm. step away from some of that. Ugh that role of like just being little women like yeah I you know think she that, always just seems a little more like not immature but like I don't know well, just her character stunted. is interesting and when it when she I dies think, I, I feel like the rest of the the sisters kind of there's almost like this freedom that they get from it yeah I agree like I think well I think that she's kind of stunted in a lot of ways right like I think I think that because she's confined to home and I don't think she really has an issue with that. I think she always has kind of liked being home. Um, Mm -hmm. She doesn't really ever grow up and out of herself since she started being sick. And um, she does kind of embody that very like docile, homebody, quiet nature that I think a lot of society wanted and expected from women in general. And she is kind of this like 
tether that especially Joe feels to home. That kind of something that's always in the back of her mind. But I also think that, you know, Beth does such a good job of like tampering Joe's um, ferocity sometimes when it gets in her her own way. You know, like she's a good she's a good peacemaker and she's good at um, her conversations with Joe, I just think are really interesting. Their relationship is really cool. And um, but it's still it's always kind of like she's a function to these other characters own like childhoods and like their attachment to home. Their attachment to home has, I think, a lot less to do with like Marmy and Mr. March than it does to Beth. And then when Beth is gone, like you said, it is kind of this break where yeah. I think they're able to fully go kind of their own directions apart from each other, but still, you know, they still have that family connection and love for each other, but they just become a lot more independent. I think after she dies. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it almost frees them to leave home. Yeah. But I also like, like to, not just, I feel like Joe like kind of adopts some of those sensibilities though after like she kind of takes a part of Beth with her. Yeah. Yeah. They like keep the best of her. They keep her a part of them. Like they're all, you know, that that's the four of them, right? Like that's the, that's what the story mm-hmm. is, is about these sisters and their love for each other and their relationships with each other. And like, mm-hmm. um, so they keep all that, but then it, it frees them up to be a little bit more to just find their own lives and kind of stay together, but away from the home, you know, and just like mm-hmm. they each kind of go off in these different compasses, like compass direction. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of sisters, um, both of my sisters have been texting me a lot since they listened to this episode. <laughs> and my sister, Laura said some really cute things, very, very sweet things and insights, which I thought was really interesting to hear her perspective on this book. Because like I said, in the last episode, um, I associate this book a lot with my sister, Laura, um, because of the, the, well, the relationship between Joe and Amy is a lot like my relationship with my sister. Um, but she texted me afterward and she said, oh, what did she say? Let me find the right text message. She told me that it, um, when she listened to our episode, that it made her tear up, that it was like really Aww. emotional for her. And I thought that was so sweet um, and she loved how complex the characters were. And I really liked that she brought up, she brought up this point to me where she, she said that she feels like, um, she felt that something we didn't quite touch on was how Amy, while she meshes with society in a lot of ways, she can still be very frustrated by it which I thought was like a really cool point that, you know, sometimes we talk about it in the sense that Joe is just the one that breaks with convention all the time. And Amy is the one who kind of goes with it more and fits into that mold more. And I think that's true, but I thought, um, Laura's perspective on it was really cool where she, um, really took it more as 
Amy is also really stressed out by by that th- that stuff and she gets upset with it sometimes um but that she is still she still can find comfort in it at the same time I just thought that was really yeah. cool the way yo, this is the way she said it she said adult Amy wants tradition and finds comfort in it but she is just as strong-willed as Joe and doesn't totally agree with it at the same time so she tries to find her way to fit within the mold but still like forges her own path or makes her own version of it, which I think was a really cool um, insight that she had. And um, yeah, she also, she also said she really loved your perspective on the book because she never thought about it from the perspective of someone who doesn't have three sisters. <laughs> like she, <laughs> like she's never, um, of course thought about the book and what it would never be like to read it without having siblings, which I thought was, also interesting yeah I think she makes a good point I mean I think Amy's like a nice middle ground between Meg and Joe you know Meg and mm-hmm. Meg kind of just wants to like stay in it no matter what she just admires it and misses it and you know maybe has a blinders on to some of the things that aren't so healthy and then Joe just bucks against all of it even mm-hmm. if it doesn't serve her or there are things that she enjoys or something and then Amy's kind of in the middle ground where she wants to be a part of it, but doesn't necessarily want to just buck it and say, forget about it, but like, let's change it or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just that middle ground with it. I think she's a little bit more realistic than both Joe and Meg when it yeah. comes to how the world works. I agree. I think that um, they're much more similar characters than they are different in mm-hmm. ways that people haven't necessarily always given them credit for. And I just, I love that Amy March is have, has had her moment, you know, where I feel like, especially right. with Florence Pugh's portrayal of her in little women. Yeah. I think, 2019, I think yeah. that she really like brought Amy to light in a really positive way, which is awesome. Yeah, I agree. She did a great job in that movie. Um, do you have a favorite? Well, I'm glad they liked it. I know I did too. Do you have a favorite adaptation of Little Women? Honestly, I think it's that one from 2019 that just yeah. came out that had um, Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh. I really liked it. I did too. I, I haven't think... seen that many. The only other one I saw was the one with Winona Ryder, and you haven't seen that one. Um, hmm. Did you say you had or hadn't seen that one? I had. That's the only other okay. one I remember seeing. Yeah, I watched the one from and like I I liked that one, but I think forever ago, and it was fine. Yeah, yeah. So the newest one is probably my favorite. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's probably the most loyal. I also have to say, I really spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen the Little Woman movie, you would think we would have spoiled it by now by talking about the book. But the movie ends differently where she just makes up this ending with Mr. Bear for the sake of selling the story. Um, but in the mo- but she doesn't actually end up with him in the 2019 version. They just stay friends. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked it too. And I also like... Um, just, I think the movies have taken on a, a 
interesting. Like, I, I think that they've leaned more into making Joe a Louisa May Alcott stand in than the book does mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that's smart and I think yeah, that's clever I and I think that's like a good um, kind of homage to her as a person. Yeah. And a way to keep the story fresh. I mean, everybody knows the story. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, this was really fun. Yeah, this I was know, I love fun. this. It always ends up more fun than I think it will be. It was fun to like reread it and think about it in these ways and like interesting diff- the different perspectives we had based on, you know, our own familial experiences. Yeah, different like familial experiences, but also, you know, like being but I think it's still like a good perspective does that make sense like I think that my perspective is having two sisters and like really thinking about it in that context I think is interesting but I think like in a perspective like Lori's perspective of being introduced to this like wild wacky family like is also really Mm -hmm. interesting and cool and like how does someone deal with that and interpret it all these relationships like I think it's pretty crazy (laughs) it's awesome sometimes it doesn't work out so well but (laughs) but sometimes it does (laughs) oh well yeah i loved this book i'm so glad we picked this one this was a good pick for christmas it got me in the family mood which is always a good mood to be in for the holidays yeah Ditto. Well, I'm excited to do our little wrap up and we will definitely have the next book that we'll be reading um, in January. So that will give you plenty of time to pick it up from your local bookstore and get reading. Um, We'll get working on that. So we'll make sure to announce that at our next episode as well as on our Instagram. Um, So it should be a fun episode next time. I'm Mm -hmm. excited to do that and have you guys hear it. Again, if you have any suggestions for us that you would like to have us discuss on the podcast, please um, send us a DM or an email so that we can look at those. Yes. And one of the things that we'll be discussing in next week, next week's episode um, are some of our favorite books that we've read as a podcast group this year. And we would love to hear from you as well. So we'll be picking our kind of favorites, but we'd love to know which books you enjoyed the most as well that you followed along with. So always feel free to shoot us a DM on Instagram and we'd love to include your responses. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye.